Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. Okay, now last week we looked at six facts that we as Christians need to know about faith. We're going to continue there this week and add some more facts to our list. But this week we're going to concentrate on building strong faith because we do want to accomplish things in the spiritual realm. Now I'm going to give you this illustration. Have you ever noticed a train and, and train tracks? Okay, think of that engine now, the engine of that train, as being God's power. Think of that as being the power of God that causes exciting things to happen in the spiritual realm. And think of your faith as being the tracks now that gets that train to your situation or to the situation that you're praying for. See, now our faith is not the power. You know, you can have faith, but that's not the power. God's Word is the power. God is the power behind our faith. But our faith simply lays the tracks now to get the power to the situation. Now that train or that engine, that can't go without tracks. You know, I don't care how powerful that engine is, it's not going anywhere if it doesn't have tracks to move on. Now that's a spiritual law. And we're going to find that need now is not going to lay the tracks. There's a lot of needs in this world. You know, we can look around and we see a world full of hungry children who need to be fed. We see all kinds of people in chaotic situations. But a need now is not going to release the power of God. God has set everything up on faith. And the power of God now is released by faith in His Word. It's when we release faith in His Word, then that releases the power of God. So faith now is the track that gets that engine or gets that power where it needs to be. Okay, we're going to just start numbering now where we left off last week. We looked at six facts last week, and so this is number seven. We're going to look at the definition of strong faith. Now we know that Hebrews 11 verse 1 is what we consider the definition of faith. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 19 through 21 because this really gives us a definition of strong faith. Now this is talking about Abraham, and it says, Abraham, without becoming weak in his faith, considered or contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promises of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in his faith giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Okay, I want you to notice now, it says, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated or he thought about now his own body. He thought about the fact that, you know, his body was as good as dead, a hundred years old, as far as fathering children. He thought about the deadness of Sarah's womb. You know, he thought about all that. He contemplated it. But he did it without becoming weak in his faith. How did he think about all those things without becoming weak in the faith? You know, how do you contemplate negative things and stay faithful? Well, it's because he looked at these things. These were facts in the natural. He looked at the fact that he was an old man. He looked at the fact that Sarah not only had been barren all of her years, but she certainly now was outside the realm of the childbearing age. You can imagine, if he had sent her to her doctor, you can imagine what her gynecologist would have said about having a baby at this age. So he certainly doesn't have anybody else that's agreeing with him or anybody else that's believing with him. So he considered all that. He took a realistic look. But then verse 20 is the secret. 
it says in verse 20, yet with respect to the promises of God. Okay, with respect to the promises of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in his faith. Okay, how on earth did he not waver in unbelief? How on earth did he become strong in his faith? You know, because considering all these things, you would think that he'd be on the ground. But it says that he gave respect to the promises. We're going to grow strong in our faith anytime we take the circumstances and turn those circumstances around and give respect to the promises of God. Okay, now how do we give respect to the promises of God? That simply means that you give it precedence. You, you look at it, you heed it, you receive that. See, if someone came in for whom you had a great deal of respect, you'd pay attention, you'd listen, you'd hear what they had to say, and you'd be obedient. When we went to the NRB convention, well, we heard that President Bush was going to be there and was going to address our convention. Well, I'm going to tell you what, we were up at 4 o'clock in the morning so that we could be down there and get a good seat and, and be able to hear every word. And so they had some seats sealed off at, at, at the very front, but we got right down to the front. And we were there, we were up at four, and he didn't speak to us until 11 o'clock that morning. So that was a long time to wait. But the reason we waited and the reason we were excited is because we respected that man. And when he came out, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, we respected him. We listened to every word that he had to say. We went back and we talked about it and thought about it and put it into practice. See, if we give respect to the Word of God, we're going to stop and we're going to pay attention to it. We're going to give it precedence every time. We're going to be obedient to what it has to say. You know, in Proverbs, God said, My son, give attention to my word. Okay, basically what he was saying, he was saying, Give respect to my word. In other words, give it precedence. Put it above everything else. Now, Abraham realistically looked at an impossible situation, but he respected God now as the God of the impossible. So we're not talking about denial. We're not talking about hiding our face and pretending that nothing's wrong. See, we're not ignoring the facts. You know, he didn't ignore their age. He didn't ignore the fact that Sarah had never been able to have children. He just simply submitted all of that reasoning over to a higher power. Okay, now looking at reality is not wrong. You know, we're, we never want to teach that you ignore and just pretend something's not there. But any time that God's Word tells you something different than what the circumstances, then we need to take the circumstances and submit them over to the Word of God. Make those circumstances bow their knee to the Word. It came to the point now that reasoning and circumstances contradicted the Word of God in Abraham's case. And so he respected that Word. He gave respect because he knew that the one who had made the promise to him was greater than the circumstances that he was looking at. Okay, now I want you to look at verse 20 and 21 because it's talking about the fact now that Abraham did the very thing now that caused him not to waver in unbelief but become strong in faith. And so in verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, remember that, and being fully assured that what God had promised he was able to perform. Okay, now I've seen the time when I would try so hard to conjure up faith 
have you ever tried to feel faith and you just work at it and, and we go through all these mental gymnastics of trying to feel faith because we feel like we're not operating in faith if we're not feeling something go off on the inside of us? You know, and usually when we're trying that hard, all we manage to work up is just to get worn out, <laughs> you know, where you're just exhausted, you know. But I want you to notice that strong faith is not that. Strong faith is just being fully assured. That's all it is. It's just simply the choice to believe that what God promised, He is faithful to perform. And that's all strong faith is. Giving respect to the Word and being fully assured that God is going to do what He promises. Now, it really doesn't have anything to do with feelings. I can remember one time that Jack was working out in the shop, and he had been working hard that morning, and I had some projects going in the house, and he came in and he said, now we've worked hard. He said, about mid-afternoon, let's quit, and we'll go in town and have dinner. Well, I didn't struggle and strive the rest of the day to try to work up feelings to believe that he was really going to take me out to dinner that night, you know. I didn't have to do that. I knew that if he came in and said he was going to take me to dinner, I knew we were going to go. And so there doesn't have to be any feelings involved. When you have someone you know that's told you, hey, we're going to do thus and so, you know, you don't stand there and try to work up feelings to, to believe that what they're telling you is the truth. If you know them, you know that they're telling you the truth. Well, if we can do that with each other, you know, if we can do that with a mate, how much more, you know, we can do it with the God of the universe when he makes a promise to us. Faith comes by knowing the Father. You know, we know each other. We trust each other when we know, when we know one another. But our faith is going to be built in the same way with God, the more we know Him. Now, one of the most comforting scriptures in the Word to me is in Psalm 91, verse 4. And of course, I just love Psalm 91. I guess none of you have noticed that. <laughs> but anyway, I love verse 4 because it says God's faithfulness is a shield. I love that. You know, His faithfulness to His Word is our shield against the enemy. Now, I used to read Ephesians 6 where it would talk about the shield of faith. And I always thought that that was just my faith. And so I was constantly thinking, oh my goodness, you know, the shield of faith. I've got to have faith. I've got to work up faith to have that shield out in front of me. But it was such a relief when I realized that it's not just my faith. It's my faith in His faithfulness. It's my faith in the fact that God is my shield of faith out there. So then when the enemy comes and says, you know, these things are pretty tough. You're facing something you've never faced before. How do you know God's Word's going to work? You know, what makes you think that? Then it's easy to say, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with just my faith. But Satan, it has to do with the fact that my Heavenly Father is going to be faithful to what He's promised me. It's our faith in His faithfulness. And the only way that we can know that, the only way that we can come into that kind of faith is by developing an intimate relationship with Him, spending time with Him, spending time in the Word of God, getting to know Him. Come to the place where you take these love letters and you realize these love letters are made to you. God is speaking these things directly to you. You know, I was listening to this guy on a tape. He was an electrical engineer. And he said that he would spend hours and hours studying the engineering manuals because he was having to teach the course. And he would study way up into the night and, and then he would still feel like, oh, he didn't know it well enough. And 
he loved the Lord and he said one day the Lord just spoke to him and said, why are you studying these manuals so hard? And he said, well, Lord, I'm going to teach them. I, I've got to know this. I'm going to be up in front of a bunch of people teaching. And God said, you're supposed to be teaching my word too. Are you as diligent to study the manual I've given you so that you'll be equipped to teach? And he said it was such a conviction. And so he, st uh, so he started saying, Lord, from this day forth, I'm going to give equal time, at least equal time to study your word. Now in Luke 1 verse 37, we love that scripture, you know, with God, nothing is impossible. But sometimes it's good to look at it in different translations. And I like to look at this one out of the Amplified because it says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. Have you ever thought about the fact that with God, nothing is ever impossible? It says, no word from God is without power or impossible of fulfillment. We need to just concentrate on that. We need to memorize that. I tell you what, that'll help you become fully assured. I love it when I'm able to say, you know, God, I'm so grateful to you that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that's impossible with you. I'm so grateful that no word that you've given to me is without power. That there is absolutely nothing that's impossible of fulfillment. And the more we say that out loud, it just starts building faith on the inside of us because faith comes by hearing. See, every promise of God is full of power. This is not some kind of an encyclopedia or just some kind of a novel. This is the living Word of God, and there's no word in this book that's not full of power. Every word brings with it the possibility of fulfillment. And all God's wanting us to do is take our circumstances and submit them and make them bow their knee to the Word of God. If your circumstances contradict the Word of God, then Make sure they bow their knee to the Word. Let the Word take precedence. Okay, so pick an area in your life now where you're not fully assured that the Word of God's going to work. Pull it out of hiding, you know, and, and just start being honest with yourself. You know, I think it's something that's interesting about human nature is that we tend to look at those areas where we've developed faith. That's what we just have a tendency to do. We look at those areas where we are fully assured of the Word of God. And there's some things that it's easier for me to believe than others. And you're going to find there's parts of the Word of God that are just easy for you to release faith for. And we're proud of those areas, and they make us feel good. And so we tend many times to concentrate on those areas where we've built our faith. And we tend to hide those areas now where we still have some fears, where we still have some doubts. And we think, you know, if I just don't think about that, maybe it'll go away, or eventually I'm going to develop faith in that area. We need to come to a place where we say, I'm not going to hide this any longer. You know, because anytime we keep a fear hidden, it's going to grow. It's not going to stay the same. And so start meditating on what God says on that subject, in, in that area, until the fear leaves and it will. I never will forget when we were in another church and we had just started walking with God and there was a lady who was sick. And I remember that the, the pastor said, I, we normally don't do this, but... I want as many as want to meet me in my office tomorrow and we're going to pray for her to be healed. Well, she had a terminal illness according to the world. 
And I can remember thinking, I can't go and pray for that. I, I can't believe, this is terminal. I can't believe that she'd get well from a terminal illness. And I struggled all night with that. And I loved the lady and I was pulled with thinking I needed to go, that it, you know, as an obligation. And then I was just pulled knowing that that was not an area where, where I had built any faith. And I was sitting there thinking, Lord, how can anybody believe for a terminal illness? You know, how can we do that? And so we need to come to the place. And I started praying and I said, God, I am not there. I am not where I can believe, where I'm fully assured that that is truth. But I want to get there. And that's all he wants us to do is just say, I want to get there, Lord. And as you start saying, Father, just help me. And start reading those scriptures that have to do with it. And faith starts coming in. And, and if that is a desire of your heart, then God's going to give us the desire of our hearts, you know. Now, Satan's trick is to get us, instead of developing strong faith, instead of becoming fully assured, Satan's trick is to try to get us to run to our plan B, you know, run to the world's way. And by the arm of flesh, try to control another way and, and, and go back to those old habits and meditate on the negative and listen to those negative thoughts that are coming in because he does not want us to become fully assured. I mean, when we become fully assured of the Word of God, we're going to see things happen in the kingdom. We're, we're going to see things happen because of our faith. Now, we've used our faith a lot of times for fun things, but it's time for us to start using our faith now to get ourselves cleaned up, to get those old fears and doubts and all those things cleared up. Okay, number eight, another clue for developing strong faith is start using your imagination the way God intended it to be used instead of letting Satan dominate it. So many times our imagination is just used for the fantasy thoughts that, that Satan wants to put into our head. But remember, Satan didn't create our imagination. You know, I used to think that the imagination was something bad because for years, the only thing that went through my imagination was imagining fear thoughts and doubt thoughts, and it had been used that way so long that I never thought of my imagination as being something good. But God had created that, and he wants us now, instead of picturing all the death and, and destruction and all the things that we've been used to picturing in our imagination, God says it's time for us to straighten out our imagination and start using it for what it was intended. You know, in Mark 11, verse 24 through 25, it says that when we pray, we need to believe that we've already received it. Your imagination can be such a good tool now for believing you've already received something. The moment you pray for something and you release faith, then start to picture that in your mind. Start to picture that in your imagination. Let God strengthen your imagination and start picturing now and seeing that person well that you've prayed for. Or maybe start picturing that need being met that you've prayed for. You know, see yourself operating in that godly attitude now that you've been praying for. Picture it in your mind. Now remember here in verse 20, it says, Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now giving glory to God is a part of that strong faith. And anytime you start picturing something already accomplished that you've been praying for, I tell you what, it's going to be easy then to give glory to God. Anytime you start seeing it already accomplished in the spiritual realm, boy, I tell you what, you can. You can give glory to God. I was praying for someone one time, and I saw a picture in my mind's eye of this person who was not walking with God at the time with their hands uplifted, and I saw a side view. 
Well, I tell you what, from that moment on, it was so easy for me to give glory to God for the answer because I could just turn on that faith picture. And when I saw that, boy, I tell you what, everything inside of me started giving glory. Now, it may be a godly quality in yourself that you're believing for. And it may be easier to picture that by finding someone that has already started possessing that godly quality. And, you know, let them be your faith picture. And, and watch them and find ways uh, of incorporating now that quality in your own life. Uh, maybe what you're believing for is for your marriage to be better. And if that be the case, then find somebody that has a good marriage and, and start seeing them. That can be the faith picture for you. See how they act and how they respond to each other. Or maybe someone with a very unique love walk with the Lord. You know, picture that. See what they're doing and use the imagination that God has given you to see yourself operating uh, in a love walk with Him. Okay, number nine. In Romans 4 verse 17... It says, God called those things that were not as though they were. Okay, now another translation says, God called those things that did not exist into existence. Okay, he's the creator. He can do that. And 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we to be in this world. Okay, whatever it is that you find in the word of God that God has promised, it's out there. It's in the spiritual realm. It's already, it's already been accomplished. We just need to call those things into being. And how do we do that? Okay, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. It's heart and mouth. It's believing in our heart and confessing it with our mouth. You know, it, it's, it's saying exactly what the Word of God says. You know, by the same token, you know, uh, the Lord's wanting us to let the sick say, I'm healed. I'm healed because of the stripes of Jesus. Let the poor say, you know, I have all my needs met because Jesus is my Jehovah Jireh. Let the oppressed say that I'm free in Christ. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be uh, set free, will be delivered. Let the person who's sad say, I have the joy of the Lord flowing through me. Now Satan's going to come to you and he's going to say, well, you're lying. You know, you're confessing when you're healed when you're obviously sick. Listen, if you're saying what the Word of God says, you're not lying. It's never a lie to agree with God's Word. Now, you may not want to go out in front of unbelievers and say all these things because they wouldn't understand. They'd just think you were crazy. But with each other, with yourself, look in the mirror and start saying it, you know. Say it to yourself because you want to start saying what the Word of God says. Let that Word come out of your mouth. God's not a liar. And when He tells you that in the Word of God, then you can say it all day long because that is your promise and God would cease to exist, literally, if he lied. Okay, and talking about confessions, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. This scripture really got my attention when I was looking at it the other day. In Hebrews 3, verse 1, it talks about Jesus, and it says, Holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. And this is going to tell us something about the Lord. Consider Jesus who is the apostle and the high priest of our what? Our confessions. Okay, he is the high priest of our confessions. Okay, what does a priest do? A priest offers the prayers of confession of the people up, up to God. Okay, I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to be honest with yourself, do you want Jesus to offer your confessions up to the Father? 
I've thought about that before. And you know what? If he offered all of my confessions up to the Father, I might be a little embarrassed. <laughs> when we think about some of the things that we confess some of the time, you know, I think, oh, Lord, I don't want you to be the high priest of that confession, you know. And I could just picture, you know, Jesus saying, Father, Peggy Joyce is saying that it's not going to work. <laughs> this is impossible. There's no way that it's going to work this time. And we think, do we want him to be offering up to the Father that kind of confession? You know, if we just take a tape recorder around with us for a week, I think we'd find out in a hurry on what level our faith is operating. You know, if we could just play back to ourselves. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I just can't confess that I have something or I, I believe in something that I can't see. Well, I loved what I heard on one of John Osteen's tapes one time. He said, I want everybody here who believes you have a brain, I want you to stand up. Well, everybody in the audience stood up. And he said, well, how do you know? Have you ever seen it? <laughs> so, so sometimes we have to realize there's a lot of things that we have faith for that we're not seeing with our physical eyes. Okay, now we talked about strong faith, but Hebrews 11 verse 1, that's what we consider the definition of faith. Hebrews 11, 1. I have the New American Standard that says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I like what it says in the King James too. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now it doesn't say that, that faith is the evidence of things that don't exist. It's just the evidence of things that we don't see. Okay, now faith is what brings the not seen things into the sight realm. That's what brings it into the sight realm. Those things are out there. Anything promised in the Word of God is not non-existent. It's just not seen, you know, sometimes with our physical eyes. And we see that with radar in the natural. You know, radar goes out and picks up things that are actually there, but they're just not visible to the naked eye. And faith is like a radar now that picks up things that's out there in the fourth dimension, out there in the spirit realm, and brings it into the sight realm, brings it into manifestation into the natural world. Okay, number 10. The God kind of faith is not presumptuous. It's a faith that's based on God's Word. It's a faith that's based on what God is telling us. Now, God wants to meet our needs. You know, He loves to give us the desires of our heart. But, you know, a person gets into presumption anytime they're always using their faith to just get bigger and better for themselves. And, and when we get into that kind of thinking, then we get into presumption. Some people think, well, God gave me a Cadillac this year and he's going to give me a Lexus next year, you know. And, and, and they get into that kind of thinking with their faith. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray and believe God for a car. You know, I, it's certainly not wrong to pray and believe God to have your needs met. He wants to meet our needs even more than we want him to meet them. But the blessings should never be our focus. That should not be what's out in front of us. You know, Matthew 6, says... Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says all these things will be added. He wants to add the things. Uh, Deuteronomy tells us that we're to be obedient to God, and if we're obedient to God, he says the blessings will come from behind and overtake us. You know, I, I just have a, a mental picture a lot of times that as we're following after God and trying to do his will, it's like he sends the blessings and they're running to overtake us because God wants those blessings to be on us. But we're not to seek just the blessings with our faith. 
Now, faith is not based on doing or desiring our, our own thing for our own selfish purposes. That's not what it is. Our faith needs to be based on, on doing the will of the Father. That not, needs to be our first and foremost objective. See, our faith is a tool that God's given to us to accomplish His will. Now, there are some things in the Word that belong to God's children every single time. For example, health and healing. That, that's something that Jesus bought and paid for on the cross. And that is something that, just like he bought and paid for our salvation and took our sin, he also took our, our sicknesses and our diseases. And that's always God's will. But even our desire for healing now should be so that we can better serve him. That should be the, the ultimate reason that we want to walk in health. You know, Hezekiah asked for health to live 15 more years. And God gladly gave it to him. He gave him 15 more years. But you know what? He squandered those 15 years, and we don't have anything recorded in the Bible that good that came out of those 15 years. We don't have anything recorded that's good. You know, pride caused him to reveal national secrets to their enemy, Babylon, that led to their captivity. We find that it was also during that 15 years that he fathered another child named Manasseh. And it was during those 15 years that we're told that Manasseh was born and then he became king when he was young. And tradition tells us that Manasseh was the one now that had the prophet Isaiah sawn in two, you know. So I, I thought, you know, what he could have done with that 15 years of health that God gave to him. See, our faith is a tool to accomplish God's will and to accomplish God's word. I want you to look in Matthew 14, 26. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it's I, be not afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Okay, now I want you to notice that Peter didn't just start walking out there on the water by his own reasoning. You know, he didn't jump out and say, guys, look what I can do, you know. I used to think, well, boy, if Peter could jump out of that boat and start walking on the water, then goodness, there, there's nothing that we Christians can't do. Well, that is a partial truth. See, we can do anything that God tells us to do through his written word, through his spoken word. And, of course, his spoken word always will line up with his written word. But Peter placed his faith in Jesus' word. Jesus had said to him, come. He said, May I come? And he said, come. So he wasn't necessarily walking on the water. He was walking on the word of God. He was walking on the word of Jesus. And I tell you what, if we'll, if we'll let this be our criteria, then we're going to find out that it will keep us out of presumption. Okay, now I want to say this again, though, that God does want to give us good gifts. I don't want to leave the, the wrong impression. He just wants our focus to be on him. But he delights in blessing his children. I'm going to give you this example that, you know, I think about this. It happened many years ago, but I think about it, and it still just sends joy all through me and lets me know how much God loves us and how much he wants to bless us. Years ago, when we were building on our house, God had told us that the things we learned in the process of building that house now was going to be the main thing that we got out of it, that the house would just be a fringe benefit when it was over with. And uh, we did. We learned so many things. That, that was a time when Jack practiced hearing God over and over and over while he was building that house. We had a lot of challenges, and there were times when he thought he wanted to put a for sale sign out in the yard. But God always provided, and he was always there. 
and he was holding down a, a full-time job and he was also doing hours of ministry when he got home in the afternoons plus he was building on the house and so like I said there were a lot of challenges but God was faithful to provide every step of the way it was like a boot camp we were going through but it he provided and there was no way after we went through that that we couldn't have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Jehovah Jireh he's the provider but when we'd about finished the house well we felt like that the Lord impressed us to go to Mexico and, and get our furniture and we went down and it, it was a 24-hour trip and in that 24 hours we were able to drive to Mexico we were able to get all the furniture and we had a U-Haul trailer and come back within a 24-hour period and we were able to get our bedroom suits we got our living room suit we got our dining room suit and and the kitchen table and the chairs and we, we came back and we were so excited and the only thing that we didn't have when we came in we were putting it all in the house and we were so thrilled with it and the only thing that we didn't have was for your table and I needed a, another little a thing in the dining room to put the napkins and things like that in and we didn't have any card table or end tables upstairs and you know it didn't really matter I had a house full of furniture that I was just it was really pretty and we'd gotten it at wonderful prices and uh, I don't ever remember praying for any of those things that we didn't have but when we got moved in the kids just insisted that we take a trip and drive down to the coast for a three-day weekend because Jack was really tired and and they thought that'd be good for us to, to get away. And so we did. And the last day that we were there, we were just driving around through Rockport and we were just looking at the houses and just enjoying the scenery and just enjoying doing nothing. And there was a lady that had a garage sale sign in her yard. And so Jack's not crazy about garage sales, but I am. <laughs> and so anyway, I said, oh, Jack, let me, let me see that garage sale. And he was in a good mood. He was rested by now, so he was, uh, that was fine. He was going to sit out in the car and read something while I went into the garage sale. And when I knocked on the door, she said, oh, the garage sale's over. I just have a few odds and ends left. She said, and mainly the only thing I had was furniture anyway. And she said, I've sold almost everything. And she said, but you can come in and look at it if you want to. And so I went on in. There was a foyer table. There was a, a little hutch that goes in a dining room that was exactly what I needed to put the napkins and all the things in. There was a, a coffee table and there were three end tables and I had three chairs up there that would have been nice to have had an end table by each one of them. And I couldn't believe it. I just stood there and I said, those are exactly the things I need, you know. I mean, she practically gave it to us because the garage sale was over with, she was tired of it. So I ran out to Jack and he said, Peggy Joyce, we just got the Suburban. Now we had taken the seat, the back seat out of the Suburban before we left to go on this trip so that we could put all our suitcases in. And we turned the, the second seat up. You can fold it down. So we had all that room in there. And he said, well, if it fits. And so we started packing it in. If anything had been an inch taller or an inch wider or an inch longer, we couldn't have gotten it in. But it fit absolutely perfectly. It was you know, floor to ceiling and wall to wall. But I thought, you know, God is so faithful and he cares so much. It wasn't like we went down to some store and said, well, we need this, this, and this. I mean, he had it just sitting there and waiting for us. And it was Spanish furniture that matched everything else. So, you know, if we use our faith to take care of God's business, he is going to use his faith to take care of us. If we take care of his business, he'll take care of us. And it's hard to even fathom that kind of love. It's hard to even imagine a God that loves us that much. 
Now, you're not going to want to miss next week because next week we're going to talk about the one, two, threes of praying the prayer of faith to accomplish great things in the kingdom of God. And I think you're going to enjoy that one. But, Father, we just thank you for being such a good God. We thank you, Father, that you have set everything up in the spiritual realm to operate on faith, and then you give us the measure of faith, and you encourage our faith, and all that we have to do uh, to have faith is just simply believe your word. And Father, I thank you that you're showing us how to walk that straight and narrow line to, to seek first your kingdom. And then Father, how good you are. We can never do anything for you that you don't outdo and outgive a thousand times. We just love you and we thank you, Lord. And we want to be major players in the kingdom of God. That's the desire of our hearts, Lord. We want to be used in these end days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.